Welcome to Healing with Worth, a podcast dedicated to healthy recovery and instilling hope in the wake of betrayal trauma. We are women who have experienced this intimately and want to offer hope to other women. While we may interview professionals on the show, the content should not be taken as therapeutic advice and is not meant to replace therapeutic healing. If you would like to join one of our free online worth groups to help with your betrayal trauma, you may find us at healingwithworth.org. Welcome to Healing with Worth. I'm Naomi. And I'm Cherlyn. We are here today together, and Janine actually couldn't make it today, so we just want to excuse her. She's spending time with her grandbaby, so it'll just be us today, and we have a great podcast ahead for you. We hope that you've been enjoying the podcast, and we would encourage you to visit healingwithworth.org and consider donating to the Worth program. We currently have a waiting list for women seeking help, so your donation allows us to offer hope and healing to women who've been experiencing betrayal trauma. So today, we have a listener question that we wanted to address, and the question was, how do we progress and recognize that we have progressed? And this is a wonderful question, and I think there's so many parts to it, and so we're going to do our best to cover what we can today and kind of share our experiences in what we've done and how we have recognized that progress as well. Sherilyn, what what was your initial thought when you heard this question? Well, when I heard the question, it kind of made me remember those days when recovery process felt like it's no longer a thrilling mission. It's a kind of a daily slog with no end in sight. I didn't feel like it was moving at the pace I wanted, or I found myself stuck in a rut, working through a particular emotional issue And it left me feeling like this whole recovery thing is no longer worth it. So I think measuring our progress and learning the skill of how to do that is very beneficial to our recovery. So I just want to say, if, you know, there's any listeners out there that are feeling like I did back then, please know that recovery is worth it. You're doing an amazing job. You're exactly where you need to be. You're an incredible woman. You possess all the right attributes, skills, talents, knowledge that you'll need to, to for you and your loved ones to get through this mess. So that's my hope today is maybe we can share some insight, but just realize that when you're in that messy middle, progress is hard, but it is worth it. I love that. Yeah. I remember at one point feeling like my whole life was consumed with recovery. It was like became a second job, you know, and I already had the job of being a mom and running my own in-home business and things like that. And it just seemed like everything, my life was just consumed with recovery work and it can be exhausting. And I had, there were times when I was like, I just need a break from all of this. This is a lot of stuff to deal with, but it definitely is and has been worth it for sure. Yeah, I guess the thing I realized at some point in my journey is that it's kind of a skill that we have to develop. And, you know, in order to be able to truly recognize and see our progress through this thick fog, the current moment, we need to kind of celebrate and recognize what it is. And I asked myself, I'm assuming the listeners asking herself the same question saying, how do I know if I'm making progress? How can I measure it? What does it look like? How do I know if I'm still making steps forward? And then you kind of want to regain that same sense of motivation that you had in the beginning. And then you have it kind of in the end. But that middle part is where 
you know, it's so difficult because it feels like it's endless. So you feel like you're not going anywhere. And so I feel like those are some of the things, you know, that's was kind of my mindset when I found myself asking the same question. So, yeah, well, the middle part is definitely hard and it's definitely crazy. And sometimes it's hard to even think about celebrating anything, let alone how far you've come or even to recognize how far you've come in that crazy middle area. I think for me, it took me a while to start to recognize the, the times where I had wins, you know, because it felt like there were so many losses and there's this process of grieving that happens in the middle of all that too. You're grieving your losses. And so it's really hard to recognize those wins that you get. So when you're able to, for example, step outside of that drama triangle, you know, for the first time successfully, or when you're able to recognize when a boundary needs to be set and how to set that boundary and to follow through with your own actions. You know, those are those little wins that you start to notice along the way. Like I made a boundary and I held it, you know, what do you think? Yeah. I feel like for me, I guess I would say the first step, like you just already discussed it, but was to like magnify. So like take time to seriously laser focus, you know, in on these small victories. Like Naomi said, like maybe you did some self-care today. You took a shower or Maybe you recognize that somebody was infringing on one of your boundaries. And then I think for me, I took the time to daily meditate on those things. And then I recorded, reflected on that. And the the record was important for me because I felt like it was some tangible evidence against the the backsliding. So when I would feel that frustration of, I'm not going anywhere, I'm not making any progress. If I recorded these small victories, I could go back and look and say, look, on this day, I did this. And I did this. And so it was this tangible evidence that was like evidence against the demons of I'm not making it. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that recording those was really important for me because it was a shield against that negativity that can come when you're in the slog. It feels hopeless, you know? And so I feel like that was a really important thing for me. I love that. I personally, I didn't actually ever record any of that. I think I'm actually really bad at (laughs) recording a lot of stuff. (laughs) I have these moments where like, I'll sit down after months and I'll just like try and fill in like, you know, months worth of (laughs) back history. (laughs) And and I kind of end up glossing over things like this happened and this happened and, and everything is good now, but you know, so I like that piece of advice because I'm not so good at, at actually writing it down, but I think for me, something that has helped me to recognize those victories, it, and, it, and for me, I guess, because I don't, I hadn't write, written it down, maybe it did take me a little bit longer to see some of those victories, to be able to recognize those. But I think my worth group was a really, a really good place because that was like a weekly thing where I'd go and process and share and it got to the point where instead of sharing how frustrating something was that I didn't follow through on something, I was able to share something did happen. And this time, this is what I did. So that was kind of my validation, I suppose, in my progress, because that's where my counselor would be like, wow, you have progressed. Actually having somebody that you can talk it through And they actually can recognize it better and say, wow, you've progressed. I've had 
other counts, like outside of my worth, my individual counselor had done the same thing. Like, wow, you have really progressed. And I'm sitting there going, have I? feel like I have. <laughs> She's like, no, you are, you, like when I saw you, when you first came in, like you are completely different from when you first came in. And so having somebody else be there to be able to validate that change and be able to recognize the progress is certainly helpful as well. Yeah, so I totally agree with that. I feel like one of the victories I had was I remember when I was joining the Worth Group, I was so intimidated to be seen and to be heard. And so I kind of stayed in the background. And I remember that moment when I decided to, you know, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to turn on my camera, even if I look terrible. I'm just going to be the real Cherilyn. And I feel like that was a victory for me, just showing up, telling myself I'm important. I can allow myself to be seen and heard. And that was from some of the first steps of, you know, coming out of the shadows, like just saying, I'm going to be seen today, no matter what I look like, <laughs> no yeah. matter how messy my life is, I'm just going to turn on that camera. So yeah, I, I love those small victories. And I guess one other thought that I had was I like the, the term a skill because I feel like it is a skill that we have to develop. So we have to practice looking for those moments. It's not just going to happen naturally. You're going to have to actually have some intention. And I feel like that's um, something that I was missing and maybe with your story, how you were sharing it with therapists, they could see the progress, but you didn't have that intention. And so it was a little harder for you to see, even though you were making these huge leaps and bounds. And so I would just encourage women, it's a skill. So you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to do it. And I feel like for me, I just would say again, just write it down. I think that's so important. I love that. I, I think that after having them kind of make those comments, it kind of spurred me to say, okay, what has changed? And then I was able to think back and and think about where I was. How was I feeling then? And how am I feeling now? Yeah. And it is incredible to see the the differences even mm -hmm. in that, because especially now that it's been what, it's been like two and a half years or something that I've been working through this. And and I'm not in by any means completely done with this process, you know, it's still a process. But from where I began, I have come like hundreds of miles, you know, mm -hmm. if we want to measure it, right? Yeah. And it's been it's been a process, but I can easily recognize gaslighting. I can easily recognize that tendency for slipping into victim. I can easily recognize manipulation. And not only do I recognize that in my relationship with my husband, but I also am able to recognize it with my kids and with other people that I have relationships with. And I'm able to set boundaries around that. And I'm able to step away from those unhealthy interactions and let things go that before I felt like I needed to be able to fix this, you know, mm -hmm. and some things you just can't fix. And being able to teach my children, even at this point, I've been starting to teach them, you can't control your brother, right? You can't control him. Who can you control? Teaching them that they can't control what anybody else is going to do, but they can control what they're going to do. And that wasn't in my mothering skills before, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's something that I've learned through this process. And in turn, I'm able to teach it to my children so that they can start to understand that they can only control themselves 
They don't have the ability to control anyone else. And even if they want somebody to stop or go away, that person may not do it, but they have the ability to get up and to walk away and to find somebody, if it's an unsafe situation for them, to find somebody they can talk to. And so those are the little wins that I see in my recovery, just that I'm able to teach these things to my kids so that they don't fall into the same routines and habits that I adopted just from my own family dysfunction as a child. So yeah, I totally love that. I think that you're an example of breaking the chains, you know, so that's awesome that you're teaching it to your kids. When you're talking, one of the things that came up for me, that's kind of a recent situation is denial. I feel like this is going backwards, but I felt like denial that I was in emotional pain was kind of one of the largest challenges to overcome in early recovery. And then once you kind of make the decision to face it head on, it gets easier. And so I feel like uh, I developed that skill through the healing. And then today as a profession, I, uh, I'm sedentary a lot. So I sit down, I do video editing. So I spend like eight hours at my desk and I've been having a lot of edema. So swelling of the feet and ankles. And I kind of realized I'm in denial about the fact that my body is trying to tell me something that I'm too sedentary. And so I just realized I have that skill. So it's like I quickly said, if I'm going to take a step onto the path of healing my body, making it feel better, then I'm going to have to get out of this denial that, oh, it's going to fix itself. So I really do feel like these skills that we're learning, even though they're difficult, really can benefit us. So I went and got a desk that moves up and down. I've been taking some herbal supplements to help with the edema. And as soon as I got out of denial and recognized my body was trying to tell me something, I stepped right onto the path. My swelling's going down. If I can relate that to betrayal trauma, I was in denial for a lot of time about emotional pain. And then as soon as I admitted that and stepped out of it, I stepped onto the path. And so I hope that if you find yourself like that, admitting Feel those feelings and don't be numb and that kind of stuff. If you don't stay on that path, it's kind of a swerve, but it's very helpful to admit that we're stuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I relate, certainly, (laughs) because our stories are a little bit similar in that I was kind of in that denial for a while. And denial was kind of a coping mechanism, and it can be useful to keep you alive. It's kind of a survival method. And yeah, as soon as I was ready to face things head on, it was so hard. And I'm pretty sure that's a common feeling. Once you're ready to face this head on, it almost seems like life becomes even more difficult Mm -hmm. than it was when you were in denial, you know? It kind of reminds me of the children of Israel and how they're let out of Egypt. They get out and they get across the Red Sea and there's so many times that they're like, we should just go back. It was easier back there. You know, it was easier to be a slave. It was easier to be under the Egyptian rule because it was hard, but they were being provided for at the same time. Yet they still had these like tendencies to just want to go back to the way it was yeah. because it was easier that way. And once you cross that bridge of knowledge, you cannot go back. It's like you cannot unlearn that your husband is caught up in porn. You're saying it's a hard place because you can't unlearn that. Yeah. But you're in that place of certainty and what, you know, kind of figuring it out, but you can't Especially you can't go pain. back. You know, it's like it's impossible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're dealing with all that pain. Like it's gonna be even worse if yeah. you go back, you know, because you set yourself on this path to move forward and then 
you have all this information, you just can't go back, yep. you know, unless you're ready to steep yourself in denial again. But it, it really is much more difficult. And that feeling that when you get started into this process, like we were talking about that messy middle, right? It can feel hard. But then you start to see those miracles. You start to see your manna from heaven. You start to see the Savior in your life providing for you in so many different ways. Like you said, you have to magnify. You have to look for those things. When you look for them, you'll find them. It's, it's that attribute of gratitude, right? Where you, where you look for things to be grateful for, and then you start finding more things to be grateful for as you search. What you look for is what you're going to find. When you try to find the good in the mess and the good in the crazy, you'll find those gold nuggets and those gold nuggets will begin to grow and those will help spur you to continue and to keep moving forward in your recovery efforts. And I think for me, the one thing that I would encourage our listeners who are having trouble measuring their success is to look for those good things in their lives and try and find those little nuggets and to just keep going, to just keep pressing forward because that's how we learn and that's how we grow. Yeah, I love that. When you were talking, I was thinking of the analogy of light and darkness. They kind of exist in the same time, but it's what we focus on. And we can focus on the darkness that we can't see, or we can focus on the light, those golden nuggets that you were talking about. I guess. The other thing I've been thinking of is that helped me was to take the 30,000 foot view, like go bigger. I feel like comparing was also very difficult for me. I didn't really feel like I knew a lot of other women that were going through betrayal trauma, but I would compare myself to some lady in the neighborhood or some lady at my church. And that really hindered my progress because that comparison made me feel like somehow I wasn't doing well. You know, we just need to kind of see where we are at at this moment and don't compare ourselves to others, but compare ourselves to where we've come from. So I feel like that was a challenge for me. I don't know if you've had that challenge, but comparing myself like, well, she's doing this or, you know, their marriage is like this. And that really ended up hurting me because comparison never works, but it really ended up making me get discouraged. I think before I started in recovery and in early recovery, I I would look and I guess I would idolize, if that makes sense, like idolize somebody else in their marriage and, and be like, man, they must have a great relationship, you know, like, but for me, I think it, it got to a point, especially when I started recovery and started to recognize that there are so many couples that have you know, this or other problems. Every couple has their problems. And I don't know what everybody's problems are, but I started to recognize that nobody's marriage is perfect and every marriage requires work. And people looking at my marriage probably thought the same thing. They probably, you know, when they're experiencing their problems, they're probably thinking, wow, you know, look at that couple. What a great family, you know, when in actuality, I was wearing a mask. It wasn't a real representation of what we were going through. And especially in our church culture, I feel like everybody wears masks. Nobody wears their problems on their sleeves. You know, maybe there's a few people. And then if they do, then there's judgment, 
you know, and so nobody wants judgment. So everybody keeps their business quiet and they put on their perfect masks and their smiling faces and everything's okay in our world and life is perfect. And so I I feel like I have more compassion for the people around me. And I guess more towards the women <laughs> right now. I'm working on the men. I, I still definitely have some stuff to work through, <laughs> but I definitely have more compassion for every woman that I meet and that I come in contact with because I feel like it's such a pervasive problem that I want to be able to be there for them and to recognize that even if you're putting on this happy, smiling face, you don't have to try and put on that happy smiling face for me. You can be real with me. And and I think that's my goal when I come in contact with people at church is to set aside and and I did used to idolize, you know, but set aside those ideas and beliefs and impressions and really try to just be real and allow people to be real with me. We have included a link in the episode notes for the book, Like Dragons They Did Fight, by Maurice Harker. This book teaches eternal principles and accurate science for personal self-mastery to overcome pornography addiction and achieve sexual self-mastery. So go to the episode notes to get your free copy for you or a loved one today. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I was looking through the lens of perfection on myself and then also seeing others perfect and not realizing that humanity suffers. They go through challenges. Nobody can escape the challenges of humanity. I feel like that perception was more prevalent when I was isolated. I hear in your story, when we start talking to people about real things, they admit too that they're going through difficult times, you know, infertility. I mean, you could list off a whole bunch of things. I feel like it was really important for me to start sharing the real me and the real progress I was at. And when I did that, people opened up and then we were connecting and I felt it brought me out of that numbness, that pain and that despair, because I was actually able to share that with someone else. So I feel like that was an important step. And even today, even though my stories, a lot of that stuff's in the past, when I share that with other people, they still open up and tell me, so it's still a way that we connect with each other. And I feel like I really didn't know that through this lens of perfection, you know, and the more I tell people I'm, I'm not doing well, I'm, I'm vulnerable, I'm scared, then they open up and share the same thing. And then I'm connecting with this person, I'm, I'm feeling love and harmony. And that's the things that I wanted, but I didn't know how to get in those early stages. So I feel blessed to know to, to do that. You know, it's nice. Yeah. I I love that you shared that because connection is one of those pieces, right? I just want to put this out there for anybody who's listening who's early in the stages is we do want to connect and, and we need to be aware of who we are trying to connect with and kind of test those waters. I know we we talked about this, I think, probably in one of our first episodes about coming out of isolation but just being cognizant of who you're talking to and testing the waters a little bit before you divulge everything, just kind of throwing bits and pieces out to connect. And then when you feel like there's some real vulnerability being met and confidence is being kept, then that's when you can really 
open up and share. Yeah, I think that's what we're talking about, celebrating, being cautious, but also celebrating those moments where we can connect with somebody. We should write it down. Like I connected with Johnny today or whatever. Those are important things to discover. In my opinion, when I recorded how I felt, I also was able to remember that because sometimes I didn't remember what it felt like to have joy, you know? And so when I recorded that, I was able to feel these good, positive feelings during those times I could remember and say, yeah, I can do this. I can be connected to other people. So yeah, I love that story. So thanks for sharing that. And thank you for putting it out there. Yeah. I think through this whole process, there's so many, I mean, there's, there's literally like countless things that we could address in this. And for right now, I think that the things that we've covered are probably some of the main pieces to looking at how you can progress by pushing through and continuing. It's those self-care moments. It's those boundary setting and connecting. And those are aspects that we can work towards in progressing. And then to see how far we've come, we can kind of look back on some of those same things and say, okay, where have I been able to connect? What boundaries have I been able to set and hold that have been helping? Where is my self-care out? And how have I been doing good in the realm of self-care? And have I been able to find these golden nuggets in this process? You know, for me, I think all of those things have helped me to be able to look back and to recognize wow, I really have come a long ways and holding on to those little tender mercies that God has put in my life, whether it be the people that I've come in contact with, the things that have just fallen into place that shouldn't have fallen into place, just recognizing those blessings and being able to look back and say, okay, God is helping me. And there are people that care about me and people who understand me, and there are people I can connect with, and I'm moving forward, you know. Yeah, I love the idea of small and simple. I remember one time when I lived in Seattle, and I had so many kids. I don't remember how many exactly, but I was feeling just unseen. I was feeling like nobody paid attention to me, and I remember I was at a Costco getting a big order, and I felt like it was a tender mercy. So I had all these kids in this big, huge cartload of stuff, and I was trying to fit it into the back of my van. And the kids were running everywhere, and it felt chaotic and everything. And this man came up to me and said, hey, can I put your stuff into the back of your van while you get the kids in? And I just remember that I felt like that was a tender mercy from God that said, I'm aware, Cherilyn, you aren't invisible. You are important. And there's people around you that know and love you, even a simple stranger. So I agree that those, that's still impressed on my mind. I don't know how many years ago it was, but that made a huge difference for me to recognize that I am seen. The Lord is aware of me and he's going to send people to bless me in small and simple ways just to remind me of my value and that recovery is worth it. You know what I mean? I just love that. I guess I wanted to throw in one more thing. I feel like I'm a goal setter. I guess people would say I'm a red personality and I felt like it is a good thing and it was a bad thing in my progress because I really wanted to be able to check things and that kind of stuff. I guess the last thing that maybe I would want to talk about would be learn to practice acceptance because sometimes this red personality that I have inside of me wanted things to 
get done or I wanted to end this emotion or I wanted to stop obsessing or whatever or controlling or whatever it was. And I just had to learn to accept that it's necessary to feel those things and it's necessary to, to do that kind of pain. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know if anyone out there's a red personality like me, but the the gift of acceptance is like, I, I just can't, I just had to accept that my initiative is not going to make this better. I have to pull back and just accept it and be here today and not always worry about going forward, going forward, you know, making progress. I feel like sometimes that hindered me. I love that. So there's a talk by Elder Maxwell, and it's called Endure It Well. And I may have quoted it in one of our podcasts previously, but he says, Moreover, we find that sorrow can actually enlarge the mind and heart in order to give place, expanded space for later joy. Thus, enduring is one of the cardinal attributes. It simply cannot be developed without the laboratory time in the second estate. Even the best lectures about the theory of enduring are not enough. All the other cardinal virtues, love, patience, humility, mercy, purity, submissiveness, justice, they all require endurance for their full development. And it made me think of that because you're talking about acceptance, just being able to accept those feelings, accept that sorrow and the things that come with all the feelings and emotions that come in this time that we're trying to move process and move through. It's just part of that process of enduring and keeping on, keeping on. Yeah. And I feel like it, I wanted a quick fix. I wanted it to be over, but if I chose it and willed it to be over, then I wouldn't get that mastery, that ability to endure some of those qualities that you talked about. I realized too, that if I really want to recover, I have to accept the fact that I'm going to have to be depressed. You know what I mean? And I was depressed for quite some time. I'm going to, I have to go through this stuff so I can learn and really embed inside of myself these virtues that come from this process. And so I feel like the gift of acceptance was really a key moment for me to stop trying to want progress so much that I thwart all of this growing. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. So. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. When I think back, I think I, again, when I'm looking back and looking at now and comparing then to now, I can see that I have so much more compassion, so much like I thought I was patient before, but my patience has like skyrocketed <laughs> and all of these different qualities that I tend to, even though it doesn't seem like it, I tend to be less judgmental than I was before. Just kind of with learning all this knowledge. And in that very same talk, he talks about opening the oven door before the bread is done. It causes the bread to fall instead of rise. And so many things like you have to wait to get to the point. Peaceable fruit only comes in the appointed season after the blossoms and the buds. So there's no quick fix. We blossom and then we bud and then we grow. When you're talking about that quick fix, those quick fixes don't usually last. And that's the difference between having a quick fix versus productive enduring ingrains in us permanent change. And that's kind of those things that we learn. And in this process, or those are the things that I've learned. 
And which is why I absolutely love this talk because it has so much in it. Like I've probably read it like, I don't know, probably 50 times already (laughs) throughout this process because there's so many things that I'm like, oh yeah, okay. (laughs) I need to be patient. I think it's a really good thing to recognize that we need to take our time and it's okay to be where we're at and it's okay to feel the things that we're feeling. Yeah. I like how ingraining, you talked about ingraining. And then I also like seasons. We know there's going to be spring. There's going to be summer. There's going to be fall. There's going to be winter. And when we kind of recognize those seasons of our own journey, I think it kind of puts it into perspective and those gifts can be developed in those seasons. And spring brings life. Summer brings growth. Fall brings a falling apart and winter brings death. And it's like, if we can kind of embrace that process and know that a fall is a process, some things are going to fall. Some of our behaviors are going to fall away, but we are going to have a rebirth. So I guess in the context of progress, I just think just enjoy the season that you're in. And I guess for me, as I've kind of learned to enjoy winter, but some things are going to die. Like you talked about looking back, as soon as we receive that knowledge, that part is going to have to die. It's going to have to, but I was willing to let go of winter because I knew there was going to be spring again. I knew that there was going to be a rebirth. And so I feel like for me, when I kind of looked at progress like that, it became more fluid and more, more doable than this straight line of you're only progressing if you're only moving in a straight line. So yeah, that's my thoughts. I love that. I love how you brought the seasons into it because there certainly are things that have to die for new things to be born. And it can be hard. And just like anything that dies, we we have to take that time to grieve those losses. And we have that time to do that. And then we also have a time to spring forward to make those losses into wins, into changes over time that bring us that new growth and fullness of life and of healing. Just one thought on that. If you think about some of the losses that I experienced, like having a low self-esteem, why would I want to hold on to that? You know what I mean? But why would I want to hold on to some of the things that are not so good? So I feel like once you start to realize that some of these things are holding me back in a negative way, you do want them to die and you want to rush the death because it's actually hindering your joy. So that's something to think about too in progress. Yeah. I love that. I think losing that helpless feeling and losing the unhealthy aspects of your marriage. So just one more thing to throw in there is like, I am so glad I'm an individual now. I feel like for many years, my identity revolved around being a mom or being a spouse or being this, but I feel like I'm now Cherilyn and I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and I'm grateful that I'm now an individual rather than attaching my identity to all these other things that could change or fluctuate. So that's another benefit. Yeah, I love that. I think that's probably my biggest win as well is just that feeling of absolute independence at this point. Like I have my own power and that's something that I felt was for a time was tied to my husband and it's not anymore. I have power within me to make changes that I want to make in my life to be happy. I get to create my happiness. And I think that is Probably one of my biggest wins in all of this is that I can be happy no matter what my circumstances are. 
because I'm in control of where my life is going and what I'm choosing to do with my life. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like you're. we both feel like we're stronger than we ever thought we were. It's like, that's what this ingraining, I like that word, it's ingrained. That's what the ingraining does is it realizes that we have overcome some hard things. But you look back and you think, wow, I was strong. You know, I am strong. And so I think that's the value of looking back and evaluating your progress. And as you were saying that, I also think, yes, I am strong. I also feel like I am also softer. Yeah. And it's okay to be weak too. Yeah. 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 Not as hard as I was before, but I am softer in, in the fact that I feel more compassion for other people whether I know what they're going through or not. And even when I think the most shocking thing for me, and this is absolutely crazy sounding, but the most shocking thing for me is when I hear about people who have done terrible things, I have compassion, you know, just because somehow somewhere in their life got put into a position where they were groomed or whatever it might've been themselves that they've ended up in this place that's a horrible place. They've done horrible things. And before I would be like, that person needs to die. You know, <laughs> like that, those would be my thoughts. And now I'm like, you know, that's really sad that they're in this position and hopefully they can get the mental help that they need to be able to make changes in their life, to be able to allow Christ to make the changes in them. And those are my thoughts now. And they're not popular beliefs. So it's shocking to me that I find this compassion within myself that can Christ can change anything. And he loves to change and he loves to fix things and he loves to fix people and he loves to fix marriages. And having that re realization and understanding is something that I didn't have before. And I'm grateful that I have it now. So yeah, what you said reminds me, I can't quote it exactly from Pema Chodron, but she says, when we know that compassion isn't from wounded to healer, it's a partnership of equals because when we see the darkness in ourselves, we can see the darkness in others and be compassionate. And your story kind of talks about that as well. I feel like we've come to see our own darkness. Their situations are complex and uh, it's not my view of things of being black and white, good, bad, isn't like that anymore. And so I like how you put that. I think that's one of the benefits of going through this journey is getting away from that black and white thinking, putting everybody in these boxes of good person, bad person, or myself, I'm good, I'm bad. And we just kind of can recognize that all of us at the same time are good and bad. And when we see the bad side in other people, we have the ability to say, yeah, believing in that hope that they can grow out of it because we grew out of ourselves. So it doesn't feel so what's the word? Interminable. Yeah. I love that. that you shared that story. That's cool. Yeah. It just, I guess for me in the way that I see it is I feel like that's how Christ views people, especially those people who have those problems and those terrible things that, that they've done that Christ in his ministry, he didn't condemn people to death. He asked people to come unto him and allow him to be their savior, to heal them, to do all of those things for them. And so I feel like this process helps us to develop a more Christ-like way of living and thinking when not necessarily that we're condoning the evil and the wicked in the world, because that's absolutely not the case, but just that when we 
hear of these people, I definitely still have emotions, but I also have compassion and in a way that you could pray for them, you know, and, and pray that they can get the help they need. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope that this episode was helpful. I am really glad that we were able to have this conversation today and hopefully it's helped anybody who's listening to maybe be able to find some ways to recognize where they've changed and how far they've come and be able to continue pressing forward even when it's hard. We are praying for you and we hope that you are finding the peace and the strength to be able to overcome and grow from these challenges that you face. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Healing with Worth. Make sure to visit our website, healingwithworth.org, to enroll in a therapist-led support group or to check out our blog. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or wherever you may listen, or simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for a new episode because you are worth it.